Um, okay, welcome to Alchemy Answers, episode 80. As you can see, I am here uh, alone on my webcam, but I'm not alone in terms of the information that we're going to be covering today, because I'm joined by Turtle. And Turtle is somebody who started watching Dota Alchemy back in 2018, I believe. Um, he was a 1.5k MMR player. Correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong, but I believe that was yes, correct. That is true, yes. And currently, Turtle, what is your MMR? Uh, it's around 5,500 at the moment. So you were literally, what, Guardian? Were you Guardian back in the day? Or are you Crusader? Uh, I believe so, like High Guardian. High Guardian. Crusader. And now you're Divine uh, 5. Yes. So uh, basically, I wanted to bring on somebody that's been part of the community for the last couple of years and has grown several thousand MMR in that period of time and just kind of pick his brain a little bit and and figure out like what it takes to get from uh, 1,000 MMR to 5,000 MMR in just a couple of years. And I think that that's going to be very helpful to everybody because, you know, the thing is when, when you guys are listening to somebody like me, when you're listening to BSJ, when you're listening to Jenkins, when you're listening to any of these, like, um, you know, the, the traditional... Uh, teachers I suppose that you might watch on YouTube or Twitch a lot of them have been playing the game forever and you've and we've been around the same MMR for a long period of time so it's kind of hard to relate to what that actual climb feels like and so I wanted to um, talk to somebody who's done that climb and figure out exactly what got you to where you are so we have a lot of good questions regard um, regarding that particular topic and uh, just wanted to introduce you to the people here on YouTube, and hopefully we'll get some good questions from chat as well. So anything you want to say before we hop into our first Patreon question, Turtle? Uh, no, thanks. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, let's get into it. Cool. Um, so the first question is from Jay Bryan, and Jay Bryan says, how important is it to pick heroes that help fill roles in your team's lineup versus heroes you are spamming? Does that change depending on the bracket? And do you have any general drafting advice for the different brackets that you've climbed through? I'd say, um, in terms of like you improving as a player, I think it matters. Like especially if you're lower MMR, it matters more to focus on your hero pool because that way you can learn like different like how the game actually works without having to worry about playing your hero. Because if you're trying to like fill all these gaps in lineups, which are very prevalent in low MMR, so there's always gaps in lineups. You will almost never see a perfect draft at low MMR. So I think the lower, the less it applies, these filling the holes. Because think about the lower MMRs is people won't even realize that there are holes in uh, in drafts and they won't punish it. So like point. Yeah, that's that's my opinion. The lower you are, the more you should focus on your hero pool. I'd say once you get to about like maybe six, seven K that's when it actually will start mattering a lot because people will recognize holes in drafts and abuse it. Yeah, and I, I like that you kind of gave like the 6 to 7k marker because, I mean, I'm finding, you know, I, I play in 5k, we play together um, mm -hmm. several times. And even in 5k, even in high 5k, it still doesn't really matter, right? I, yeah. I find more and more that if I just play my hero super well, if I play my role super well, it's 
infinitely more impactful on the outcome of the game than trying to spread myself too thin and be like, well, we don't have wave clear, so I'm going to do that. And then we don't have ganking, so I'm going to do that. And then I, we don't have counter initiation, so I'm going to do that. Yeah. And you're itemizing for three different roles, and you never really get mm -hmm. to your timings, and you might be split pushing when you're supposed to be sitting behind your core, and you're just always out of position because you're trying to do too much. When in reality, yeah. you kind of just have to do like your core purpose in the game to the best mm -hmm. of your ability. And if it doesn't work out because there's just too many holes in your game, then that's just a loss, and that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. I think the the amazing thing about Dota is that even if you pick a hero that's not great for the game, if you've been in that same situation with the same hero and you face like a struggle in a game, you're going to know what to do the next time because you've played that hero so many times and you've seen the situation pop up like many times before. Once that like, you know, roadblock or issue pops up, you're going to eventually just have an idea of how to how to approach the game like maybe the enemy has like a five man lineup and you're just going to like anticipate that with your hero like okay i need a split push this game i need this item so that i don't die you know or whatever the situation might might be but i think yeah that's the like amazing thing about dota you can itemize you can change your play style to fit whatever the game needs i don't think necessarily you need to have the perfect hero to win the game yep yeah it's more about the macro decisions that you make mm -hmm. um in most cases. All right, let's move on to the next question, which is from Dat Brorito. And he says, what role did you play the most during your grind, and how do you feel it impacted your ability to improve at the game? Um, I played, I'd say, 80% mid. Um, how did it help me improve being in mid? Um, it's helped me a lot mechanically, I think, improve a lot faster because I was, you know, it's a 1v1 lane. And basically, when I started out, I was just getting first blooded every time. I was going to say, be honest, how badly did you get smashed when you first started playing mid? Uh, pretty badly. I mean, when I first, first started, like my first couple hundred games were mostly support and off lane. But I quickly went to mid because basically I really liked Invoker. And so I played a lot of Invoker games. I was really bad with them. I had around a 40% win rate over my first 100 games or 150 games. And now I'm sitting at like 60% win rate. Basically, what playing mid helped me the most with was, you know, mechanics, uh, learning the limits of my heroes, because basically I just played like a madman and died every single time on mid until my laning improved. Then once my laning was good, basically, I started playing a bit of carry, and I learned that a lot of stuff transfers from mid to carry in the laning stage. Just like last hitting, knowing when to take trades, creep aggro, all that stuff. So, yeah, also playing mid helped me like with map awareness, I'd say a bit, just knowing like when I might be ganked, uh, when I can go for a gank, looking at the runes, paying attention to all these stuff. You know, when I'm ganking, recognizing, like, okay, is my tower going to die if I leave? You know, things like that. So I think just general map awareness and map movements, I think mid and pause four are, like, the most important roles for, like, understanding where to play on the map. So that helped with that for sure. Yeah. Um, I, 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 so something that I've been thinking about a lot recently, and I'm in the process of making a video about this, is... Mm -hmm finding your role 
yeah. because I feel like a lot of people play roles that they think they want to play, but they're not actually mm -hmm. good at them because their mindset is not like well suited to that role. Yeah. So was that kind of what happened? Why you switched to mid? Why you didn't like offlaner support? Was it just because it didn't feel right to you? Or because um, I know when I like carry, even though I have mm -hmm. like thousands of games on carry heroes like you know Bloodseeker, Sven, PA, Vector, yeah. etc., and I have pretty good win rates on those heroes too. Mm -hmm. Anytime I'm playing carry. I just have like this extreme anxiety that I'm not being able to like play actively. I, I cannot mm -hmm. just sit and hit creeps. It makes me feel really uncomfortable in the game. So I've, I've kind of finally come to the realization that support is my role because it allows me yeah. to just always be active and always be looking for the next thing. To do. So your question was like, uh, did I find out that mid was my role after like not liking offlane and support basically? Yeah. Like what was the process of like kind of settling into a role that you thought was yours? Well, I mean, at the start, I kind of just played whatever. Like, I played, uh, I played offlane and support because I basically only played Zeus and Bristleback when I started because my friend told me those were the easiest heroes. Okay. <laughs> so I basically just went offlane every game and picked one of those. And, you know, I tried some position five. I tried some carry. I was really bad at carry at the start. I remember I had a 20 loss streak with Juggernaut carry. No joke when I first started the game. So carry was sort of like out of the, you know, out of the question. And five position, I kind of found boring, although I don't find it that boring anymore. And then basically my friend played mid and I told him, you know, I want to try and learn. So he taught me a bit. And it's mostly just because I really loved the mid heroes, like Invoker, Storm Spirit, Ember Spirit. I just, those heroes, like I love them and their play style kind of, kind of just felt like good to me i just enjoyed it so i went for it and yeah cool um i saw a good question from chat a little bit earlier on which was basically just um how many games did it take you to get from guardian to divine like how 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 much are you playing over this process of the last couple of um, years um divine or my current mmr um i guess both i mean because i mean right now i have 3,500 matches. Okay. So, but I hit Divine at around 2,800 matches. Like, I hit Divine 1 around there. So, yeah. not. I'd say most of it is not ranked. I'd say above half of it is unranked. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know if Turbo counts, but <laughs> if Turbo counts, then there's some Turbo in there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, all right, next question is from Hybrid Theory, and he just asked, how many indecent pictures do I need to send you to boost him? Uh, for me to boost you? To boost Hybrid Theory. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's uh, not answer that question. We don't want to get demonetized. <laughs> um, so Stain Chips says it's really cool to get to hear from somebody who spent the last couple of years doing what most of us are trying to do right now. Also known as Crazy mm -hmm. or MMR. Besides what you actually learned about the game, how did you approach the actual learning process? How did you find your mistakes and what they were, and how did you go about fixing those issues? Also, could you maybe tell us a little bit about your experience? Um, was it slow, consistent improvement, or more up and down with plateaus? And if so, do you remember the ranks at which you plateaued and why? 
Okay, okay. So one question at a time. The first question was... Uh, like, how did you learn stuff, basically? Okay. Um, so basically, I did a lot of watching. A lot of, like, when I was, I'd say, like, two years ago till about, like, six months ago, or maybe a year ago. So in that first, like, year, year and a half of Dota, I watched a lot of YouTube, like, just compilations of, you know, people playing Dota, you know, like, pro players and stuff. And that just helped me a lot with mechanics, just seeing how people use their spells and stuff. Uh, so and I'd you, say that and you weren't just thing. watching these like kind of passively; you were like actively looking at what they were uh, doing. Yeah, I was like, uh, especially for heroes like Invoker, I was looking at like, like how the player would use the spells and stuff. I would like rewind the video and watch exactly like how they casted the spell. You know, how are they positioned, et cetera, et cetera. Like I was really uh, enthralled by how these like pro players like you know use the hero. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd watch also Storm Spirit a lot. Like, basically my favorite heroes, and I'd see, like, how players would use them. I'd always go on the Watch Live tab as well. And in terms of, like, uh, conceptually understanding the game, uh, in the, like, first year, I'd say, I did, I almost didn't understand anything concept conceptually. I kind of just played my hero, tried to have good mechanics, and, you know, looks for kills and whatever. Obviously, I knew, like, the basics like you know push towers get roshan get the throne whatever but the conceptual stuff came with a bit of coaching you know here and there um and sort of just talking to people that were as good or better than me at the game and you know asking questions i think the biggest thing that can help you improve is just like seeking advice it could be like from a coach or just from someone you think is better than you you know preferably Someone that either has like really good knowledge at the game or is significantly like better than you, higher rated. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you know anyone like that, or you can ask on Reddit. There's a lot of like resources out there. But if you're like th wondering about something in the game, you should always just seek out the information. Don't just like be like, eh, I don't know, and then leave it because then you won't learn, right? Yeah, I think you'd be surprised how willing people are to help. <laughs> than mm -hmm. Dota, like even if I'm playing a game, um, you know, and it's a stressful pub game, I will literally ask my team. I'll be like, "Hey, do we need a halberd or do we need a lotus orb right now?" And mm -hmm. I'll just, you know, sometimes you just have to put that out there. Like it's it's okay yeah. to not know everything about the game, and it's okay to to let people know that you don't know everything about the game. You know, like the the annoying thing is when you have somebody who's like playing their role and they're like. Hey, should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? But if you're like asking legitimate questions mm -hmm. that you just aren't totally sure of, most people are not going to flame you. Most people are going to be like, "I think you should do this," and then you can just have that data point and and digest it and make a decision based off of it if you want to. Yeah. Another point I want to make is fairly recently, I'd say, like within the past year or less, uh, after my games, I started basically like asking myself. Uh, if I think what I did that game was correct, like what I think I did correct and what I think I did wrong. Like right now, my outlook after I win or lose a game doesn't matter is like the first thing I'll think is, was my item build good this game? Did I miss like a rotation that I could have made? Uh, should I have pressured a hero more? You know, things like this. These types of questions help you improve a lot because if your outlook at the end of the game is, oh, my team played bad or, uh, oh, or I carried this game draft cool. Or something like that, yeah. yeah. Or yeah, or like, oh, we lost at the draft, GG, whatever, I don't care. Like, 
I think that's like the worst way to improve. Your the first thought after a game ends should be, what could I have done better, and did I play well, mm. basically. And you should be as honest with yourself as possible. Having a lot of kills and farm doesn't necessarily mean you played well, right? You know, and having not that much farm doesn't necessarily mean you played poorly. Depends. Yep. I mean, look at look at some games that mid one has played like. Mm -hmm. Back on Team Secret, he would be like third from the bottom net worth invoker <laughs> and still mm -hmm. carrying his team because he was just like doing so much with so little. Um, yeah. You know, just putting his body in the right places, pushing the lanes at the right time, defending towers, that kind of stuff. There's a lot uh -huh. you can do without a lot of resources. Yeah. Um, so the second part of the question was was it a consistent improvement or did you have like a very kind of roller coaster, up and down, spikes, plateaus? downfalls or or what i'd say it was in between it wasn't consistent like every month i'd gain a little bit of mmr uh, it was you know relatively consistent i never lost a huge amount of mmr in a short period i think the most i've lost maybe like 200 or 300 at a time uh, nothing crazy but i also never gained more than like two or 300 or maybe 400 in a short period so I had some plateaus, uh, like I think at around like high ancient I plateaued, and like maybe low legend I plateaued a bit. Um, Why do you think that was? Was it just like the play style was different? The mistakes that were being made were different. Your mistakes were being punished more, or I think the at the points I plateaued, I was slightly like uh, I wasn't very confident with like not necessarily like my ability in the game like sort of just overall not confident in me being like good at the game or understanding the game and i think that's a big part of like playing well just being confident that you know what you're doing even if it's like not necessarily the best thing if you go into a game with the thought that like you're not very confident about your ideas or abilities it's it's kind of detrimental to how you're actually going to play the game mm. yeah i agree i i think that the very least you need to have some concrete idea and try and stick to it and like it might mm -hmm. be wrong but if you are playing scared all the time then you're going to struggle to ever find your limit and find what your, yeah. your potential is for sure mm -hmm. also another thing that like kind of made me plateau was when i would reach like a new peak mmr like i'd hit i don't know ancient one or divine one or something i would have this like sort of ladder anxiety of like i would be afraid to lose my rank because I had worked like so hard to get there and it's honestly been a problem until like very recently where like I'm sort of right now more focusing on playing well and improving rather than you know the number on my screen which is how every player that wants to improve should think you should not care if you lose 10 games in a row or win 10 in a row it should the goal should always be like whether you're playing well and improving and that was a big reason why I plateaued at some points there as well. Yeah, ladder anxiety is huge. I know that there's actually type a <laughs> type a, a dab <laughs> in chat if you suffer from ladder anxiety when you're queuing because I mean I I feel like everybody does. Like basically yeah. everybody does. I know that even Jenkins would be like very very hesitant to play games sometimes because he was like getting closer and closer to some milestone i know that i've had this as well mm -hmm. um I, I it's just something that it sounds kind of dumb because it's like a video game right <laughs> you know who cares mm -hmm. 
but at the same time it's it's just really hard if you are putting in so much time and effort into something and you maybe you achieve it or you see it and you're almost there you're like i just yeah. I have to get it right mm-hmm. um so it was... i want to touch on like okay, uh, sorry i cut you off go ahead oh go ahead um i want to touch on like what kind of helped me get through that like a few things that i did at first when i was like lower mmr my solution was to make a new account because that was like when i was quite new to dota um, I legitimately believed that I was not winning because I had bad teammates, which obviously was not the case. But, you know, being a new Dota player and not really understanding how the game actually works, that was my thought. So I made a new account. And, you know, obviously I got around the same MMR and whatever. Right. Uh, and what, what when was, I was that? Before you go on, what was that experience mm-hmm. like? You're like? You You're like, all right, my teammates suck. I'm going to make a new account. Maybe then I'll be more lucky. And then you calibrate to the um, same MMR. What? How did? How did that feel? Were you like, oh, I'm dumb, or were you like, uh, wait, this is still no, broken? <laughs> I was. Uh, no, I was kind of like, okay, like I have the new account. I calibrated, I think, a little bit higher. Like I think I calibrated like maybe Archon One or something. But regardless, when I was playing on that account, I I sort of just played the like without any fear and stuff. I was just like, all right, let's just play. And then when I went back to my you know, original account, I had a lot more confidence for some reason. And another thing that helped me at least is I would basically just binge queue and either lose or win a bunch of MMR, usually lose. And then at that point, I would be like, at the end of the like binge queue, I'd be like, do I feel like I'm a worse player? Like, not really. Am I a better player? Like, not really. Like, nothing really changed. And that sort of helped me realize, like, the number on your screen doesn't it's not like MMR doesn't mean anything, but it's like when you win or lose a game of Dota, you don't actually gain anything besides like what you learned from it. So that's kind of just my mentality. Like uh, I've seen like pro players lose like 20 matches in a row, and I've seen you know kind of bad players like win a lot of matches in a row because they're like abusing a broken hero or whatever. I don't think I think MMR is more like a skewed image of yourself or like you know it's like a crooked mirror rather than an actual reflection of your entire skill you know yeah totally somebody so somebody said mmr is just a number right somebody sort of famous can't remember maybe one maybe one TI. i mean it, sure. it is just a number but <laughs> it's also i mean what it is is a rough estimation of your ability to win pub games is what yep. it is yep so very There's true. a lot of factors that go into that, though. Very true. Uh, all right, next question is from Sofa King, and he mm-hmm. says, "If you only have four to five hours a week for Dota, would you play only a few games and review all of your replays to find every mistake, or just play as many games as you can and only review what you thought were critical errors?" I'd say if you're if you have that little time to play, um probably the majority should should be playing because this game like it's very easy to lose your like muscle memory and stuff because the game's like so complex and you know so i'd say probably 80 percent playing and the rest like you know reviewing and whatever that's my opinion yeah i would agree um i think if you have four to five hours so it's basically like four games that you can play a week because um, mm-hmm. with queue times and drafting and all that stuff, 
I would probably spend, you know, three of three, three of those games, like play three games and then review all three games in the final hour. Um, because it doesn't take like an entire hour to review a game, or it shouldn't. You should kind of just be like scrubbing through and finding the points where you died, looking at your your graphs, seeing where like the big um, peaks and valleys of your network experience and Dota plus win rate and stuff like that are. Mm -hmm. That can help you kind of pinpoint areas that might have drastically affected um, how the game outcome ended up. And I know from my own personal experience that like if I take three or four days off, I am really bad (laughs) compared to how I was when I was playing like three or four games a day. And so... It is really important to keep your your you know muscle memory like refreshed basically, and this is why people warm up before every single sport that's played. Every single sport people warm up, and people uh-huh. sing every. There's always a warm up. Warming yeah. up is super important, and unfortunately in Dota there aren't a lot of great drills to warm up, but there are some like yeah you know practicing your spells in demo mode, practicing last hitting. Um, mm-hmm. all these things will help you kind of maintain that level of performance. But uh, I would I would agree that playing is probably it takes precedence if your ability to put a lot of hours into the game is kind of low. Mm-hmm. I'd say if you want to play well in your pubs, you shouldn't queue like before doing warm up. I'd say you should always go for either like ten minutes to fifteen minutes of demo hero practicing, or play a turbo or something. If you want to play well in your pubs, I think for like actually improving, it's not necessary because you'll just have the first game be like slightly, you know, not as good. But and then that will be your warm up game, right? So it doesn't actually matter. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's kind of what what you want <laughs> depends mm-hmm. on on how you want to approach it. Exactly. Um. All right. Here's kind of a more general question. From Jay Bryan, who says, What heroes in each position deal with illusion heroes well, such as PL or Naga? If you're playing a hero such as Chaos Knight and get a match against a PL, what items should you buy to counter him, assuming no one else on your team can? Um, so, you know, like when it comes to drafting stuff, um, sometimes you just get tough games, but luckily there's many ways to solve a problem. There's items, there's play style. It's not just about the hero versus the hero. And, um, you know, so sometimes you have to go Radiance. Sometimes you have to push early. Sometimes you need to build weird items to solve problems that are presented by the draft. Uh, what would you say, Turtle? Um. Yeah, I mean, something along those lines. If you're, like, if you're in a draft where you have completely no answers to one hero on the enemy team, it's very likely that at least one or two of your heroes can either have a playstyle or item build that can at least somewhat deal with that hero. And then also the biggest thing is like, you know, if you're against a PL, you know, and your lineup can, for example, like take some map control early, that's probably way more important than your heroes not being able to counter him because. I mean, it doesn't matter if uh, the PL's uncountered if he has no creeps to farm, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, if let's say you're a super single target hero like Ursa, mm-hmm. and you're against a Naga Siren. I mean, that matchup is terrible. <laughs> First yeah. of all, Naga very very high armor hero, uh, very good at avoiding Ursa, very good at not getting 
you know bursted by ursa and then eventually just outscales ursa mm -hmm. but if you recognize that you have this 20 to 25 minute window where you can play the game and then after that it's probably over just play that 25 minutes to the best of your ability you know don't yeah. e don't even worry about like building a battle fury to counter the naga because that's just like that's like a band-aid solution it's not really gonna counter the naga you're not gonna mm -hmm. out farm the naga you're not gonna be able to like cleave the naga illusion well mm -hmm. enough to counter her so instead you need to just get like 10 kills in the first 10 minutes of the game get roshan and go high ground at like 18 minutes you know mm -hmm. like that's how you go you you yeah. you itemize to win the game super fast get super far ahead because even a hero that has no counters will be countered by somebody having 10,000 net worth higher than them. Like, that's yeah. just how it is. You know, you have an mm -hmm. alchemist who has six items and he's unkillable by any one hero. If you kill his whole team and it's just him versus five heroes, you're still going to be able to kill him because yeah. at the end of the day, if you're stunned and disabled, it doesn't really matter what your net worth is. Yeah. And in, in my opinion, there are very few, like, you know, heroes in Dota where like, or hero matchups in Dota where like, one hero has nothing good against the other one the entire game. Those mm -hmm. are very rare, in my opinion. You know, like even Ursa against Naga, like sure the the matchup is not good, but like Ursa can hit an earlier timing with Roche and stuff, for example, right? Yep. Or like Invoker versus Broodmother mid, that's like a nightmare matchup, but Broodmother needs like I'd say 10 to 15 minutes to farm, and Invoker can start rotating from like seven minutes if he's playing like Quaswex, and you know, someone can gank for him and probably kill her. You know, so that's that's my opinion personally. I think there's almost no game where like you can do nothing. You know. Yep. Yeah, it's all just about being creative, which is like the most important skill in Dota, in my opinion, is mm -hmm. creatively solving the problems in front of you instead of just sticking to like one particular item build or. Yeah. Playstyle that you're used to. Mm -hmm. um, so speaking of sort of these more advanced concepts, uh, we have a question from another Patreon member who says, "How do you practice aggressive farming and other advanced concepts with the least amount of help from your team?" Another kind of general question, but how how would you go about practicing something like split pushing or aggressive farming? Yeah. Um, as a mid player, like the most common aggressive farming I use is basically just farming the enemy camps near mid and the way i practice that is basically i i make like a rule in my head like when can i be farm aggressively and that rule usually is based on what heroes are on the map right because if there are heroes that aren't showing then i'm farming aggressively it means i could die so i basically make that rule and if that rule is you know met or those circumstances are met then i farm aggressively if i die anyways then i'll look back at the replay and be like why did i die here oh i didn't consider that they could have smoked like for 10 seconds and then i you know waited too long or something whatever it may be like i'm just giving random examples but like the way you practice uh just do it farming right <laughs> farming aggressively is you do it based you don't just do it but you do it based on like a set of rules that you have for yourself in a game like when you have your hero and you see the enemy heroes, you need to think like, okay, how do I die this game? What do they need? Do they need like one specific hero? Do they need like a combination of heroes? And once you have that rule, you play by it. And if you die when like those circumstances aren't met, then you adjust your view of like what can actually kill you, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how you learn. 
I mean, that's just general tips for getting better at Dota or really anything. Mm -hmm. It's just, <laughs> just try it out, man. Just, just try mm -hmm. it out, see how it goes, and then adapt based on your results. Yeah, that's the best advice I can give to anybody about trying to learn something. Don't be afraid to just do it and fail, and then figure out why you failed. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I think that too many people in Dota are afraid to mess up. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's possibly because the, the community is rather toxic and people don't like being flamed. It's obviously not fun to have your teammates be pissed at you or report you or whatever. But at the same time, you're never going to get better if you are like tiptoeing around a game, never playing aggressively, never taking risks um, because you're too afraid of upsetting somebody. Mm -hmm. I, I just think the most important part of that is like once you make the mistake, that you reflect on like why it was a mistake, right? Yeah. You need to like take something away from it, like every mistake you make. And I mean, it's like when I started playing mid, I was really bad. I, I'm serious. I got first blooded almost every game. And the reason I got first blooded was I was playing super aggressive and learning my limits. Mm -hmm. And now I'm really good at laning, like really, really good. So, I mean, that's how I improved. I basically just pushed my limits. Yep. Best way to improve, improve at anything pretty much. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, all right, our next question is from Majka, and they say, in 2020, it seems as if I am becoming stuck at my MMR, and it seems like a lot of games, it doesn't matter what I do to affect the game. If they have an alchemist, I will try to block camps and pressure him, but he'll get farm and win anyway. Um, if they have a specter, I will camp his lane, but then he'll get radiance and farm just fine. So as a mid laner, even though I know I can definitely play better, I feel like I never can do the right thing at the right time. Thinking I should maybe switch roles probably to carry because maybe I want everyone to play around me instead of having to make the plays. I also tend to like mids that farm a little bit more. Recently, I got coached but haven't had much time to play Dota since then. What do you guys think? I've played some carry when I first started playing Dota back at TI8, so it wouldn't be too strange for me to make this switch but I'm just not sure what to do. Hmm. Um, it's a bit... Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, if you like... I think, like, as a carry, you don't necessarily want your team to play around you, so I think that's a bit, like, off. Um, I think the current meta is very centered around mids that are, like, playing high tempo. So if your style is more, like, farmy it might not be the best although depending on your mmr like anything can work um i just think if you like greedy heroes i mean carry is just probably better right um, yeah i would agree i i think that if you like to just play kind of slow slower paced greed then carry is your best option however nothing really fits that play style in the current meta most people are playing mm -hmm. pretty fast um but I also kind of think that you're looking in the wrong places. To me, it sounds like you are picking, you're cherry picking examples of when you were against a hero that just like outscaled you, or you were, um, you know, against something that gave you some problem, and you didn't really figure out what the solution to the problem was. You were just like, oh, there's an alchemist. Okay, well, if I block his camps, that's all I have to do, and we're going to win the game. That's just that's not how it works, right? Mm -hmm. It's never enough to like do. Um, it's it's never like 
there's there's kind of this mentality in supports, for example, where people will just kind of say, oh, if I'm in the lane with this person and then I place wards all game, that's all I have to do. You know, that yeah. that's my job, right? Mm-hmm. But Dota's not that simple. It's not like if you block an alchemist camps, he's never going to get farm. It's not like if you kill Spectre three or four times in the early game, he's never going to get Radiance. Dota doesn't end until the game's over, right? So every second that you're playing the game, you need to be constantly looking for the best move, the best decision, the best position. You always have to continually be trying to own the other team more than you're owning them currently. Until the throne is destroyed, there is no sort of like, I've done enough. There's no, this is already solved. Even if you have mega creeps, the game's not over. Like there's still ways for you to lose at every second of the game until the game is actually over. So you always have to be trying harder. You have to be trying to push your advantage more, get more off the map, take more farm away from the other team, restrict their control of the map more, take the next objective. So to me, it sounds like you're kind of just like looking at Dota as sort of like this zero sum game where if they have this and I do this, then I should win. Or if they do this and I don't do this, then they should win. But that's not how it is because there's too many decisions. There's too many complexities that change from second to second in the game. Yeah, that was very well said. And, um, uh, you know, th- like I will do that all the time too. Like I do it less now and surprise, surprise, I've gained a bunch of MMR because I catch myself getting lazy from time to time you know like as a support player if i stomp the lanes like we win all three lanes sometimes i'll be like yeah i can just kind of let my cores win the game but the fact of the matter is most cores suck most players at the game will throw at some point and so even if you have a 25k net worth lead you can't just sit back and let the game end because it's not going to you have to force it to get to the conclusion and that's just like something that I don't think a lot of people really understand they're signing up for when they enter a game of Dota. Like, you hit the Q button, you have to try so hard for 45 straight minutes or more sometimes. And that's the only way to get the W. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on to the next question from Putsy McCoy. He says, I haven't really played much Dota since the South African quarantine started, but Starting to get back into it and consuming content again now. One of the things that you guys have harped on over the past few weeks is that spamming heroes is incredibly important. While I do like spamming heroes, one of the issues that I frequently encounter is that I like to spam carries that don't seem very um, relevant every game. They seem very situational. So PA, anti-mage, slark very frequently require a strong laning partner and a beneficial laning matchup. What is your opinion on spamming these kinds of heroes? Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, I'll say Slark and PA are not very strong laners for sure, but I think, like, uh, I don't think you necessarily like need a strong support to be able to lane with them. I think it's more so like you need to learn like probably what you're doing wrong to not get the most out of your lane. Uh. There's like just small things like creep aggroing properly, uh, you know, pulling pulling the big camp, which you can do as a carry even, or 
you know, uh, abusing the enemy, like, for example, with anti-mage, like, against melee offlaners, a lot of times you can buy, like, an orb of venom and just pressure, you know, mm -hmm. early on, whereas if you just sit and last hit and don't touch the enemy, I mean, eventually they, they might hit a point where they're stronger than you, right? So, there's all these, like, little things that make a really big difference, and I'd say you shouldn't focus on, like, your laning support not being strong, you know? Uh, it's more so, like, what can what can you do better to get the most out of your lane? Yeah, also, I mean, one of the best ways to learn your limits on a hero are to play it into bad matchups constantly. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be frustrating, but if you actively know that you're going to go into a game expecting to get counterpicked, like, let's say you're just first-picking Slark every game. You're going to have some really terrible lanes, but you're going to learn how to play against them and still win those games. Otherwise, you know you're going to be miserable like you have to you have to learn how to play in these hard games if you are actively trying to play in the hard game and once you have figured out that you know this awful lane is not the final determining factor on whether i win the game or not then anytime you get into a easier game it's going to be totally simple like you're gonna you're gonna find that not only can you first pick this hero and beat a counter but then you can also just pick it, and if they don't counter you, it's a free win, right? So one of the best ways to learn a hero inside and out is to just pick it over and over and over into counters or early so you get countered and just figure out like what you have to do to win games that are not perfect. Because I think that a lot of Dota players, they see, you know, RTZ play X hero, with the perfect laning setup because they last picked his hero, it perfectly countered the game. He has like his supports working to make his game perfect, stacking for him, making space, making rotations away from him to give him extra space. And so he goes, you know, 10, 0, and 13 on Phantom Assassin or something like that. And you're like, oh, I can pick PA and that will be my game. But that's just not how it works, right? <laughs> that's not how it works you're you're almost never going to have the perfect setup in a pub and so it's really important to learn to play in less than ideal conditions because once you do then you no longer have this sort of like uh skewed view of of the hero and how it's supposed to function yeah i agree um all right a couple more questions and then we'll take a couple from chat before we end the stream uh, Loe Vela asks, what's the best way to make impact as an offlaner in low-ranked solo queue games? Let's just uh, expand this question to say, what's the best way to impact the lanes in low-ranked solo queue games? As a support or as any role? Period. Any role. Oh, okay. Um, impact the lanes in low-ranked game? I mean, uh, I think the mindset you should have for impacting the lanes early on is where can my hero be useful, right? Just think about, like, what your hero does, uh, what, you know, each of the lanes have, you know, what their heroes do. Uh, if you're, like, I mean, just a simple example, if you're a Shadow Demon in position 5 and you have a Marana offlane or something, I mean, that's a pretty good combo, right? Mm -hmm. So just a simple example, you're probably going to have the most impact there. Or if you're a Marana pause for and you have an OD mid, once that guy, like, gets 
level 5 and boots, you should just be camping mid. The enemy mid should not be able to stay there, right? Because he astrals, you arrow, you know, stuff like that. Like, just look for ways that, uh, you know, the heroes on your team can work really well against the heroes on their team. And if they have a hero that, like, let's say you can't gank unless they make a mistake, then you just don't go there. If they have a puck mid, then you don't have, like, a way to catch her. Don't go there, right? Go somewhere where you can actually do something. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, and I would take it even a step farther back, which is like, what is the purpose of the laning stage? The laning stage is all about how to control the creep wave. Like, that's basically all it is. If you can control access to the creeps by keeping the lane near your tower in a safe place where you can hit creeps and the other team can't, we'll probably win the lane. So do whatever you have to do. Manipulate the creeps however you have to to get the lane in a situation that is beneficial to you and detrimental to the people that you're playing against. And just focus on that. Pull, cut, you know, drag, like whatever you have to do, just get access to the creeps and try to deny it to the people that you're playing against. That is the purpose of the laning stage. And if you can master that, then you have mastered like the building blocks of a win in Dota basically right <laughs> because mm -hmm. every win is easier if you win the lane you know you're not gonna yeah. win every game that you win the lanes but every game that you win the lanes will be easier to win than the games that you win. yeah for sure and yeah in the like early laning stage it's all about pulling and creep manipulation for sure you know you drag in hard lanes you you pull in hard lanes you even pull in easy lanes sometimes that's uh, very important. Um, and our last question from Trepawansi is, has coaching helped you, Turtle, your understanding and mastery of the game? How how beneficial has coaching been in your journey from 1.5k player to 5.5k player? Mm. If I'm being honest, like I'd say not that much, like not an insane amount. I'd say it's been helpful for sure. Uh, mostly in terms of like... Uh, understanding the game like conceptually i think though like the biggest improvement i've like what's impacted my improvement the most is just me being introspective and uh like learning to focus on my mistakes and learning not to do them again but coaching has helped me like just understand like how to play dota 2 like as a game because uh on my own like without coaching i didn't understand conceptual things i Mostly just focused on like mechanics and stuff, you know. So basically, like rotations, uh, map movements, all that stuff. Coaching helped a lot for sure. Cool. Uh, yeah, I think that also sometimes coaching is just beneficial because it can like help you confirm things. Maybe like you were saying, mm -hmm. like, like confidence is a huge important factor. Yeah. And if you're on like a losing streak, let's say you're playing some of your best heroes, but mm -hmm. you just keep losing. Sometimes you need that second set of eyes to give you an objective view of be like, yeah, hey, you, you keep messing this up. You're not realizing that you're messing it up because you're comfortable in these heroes, but this is a problem. Or mm. keep doing what you're doing. You're just kind of getting unlucky because that is something that happens in Dota. Sometimes you will yeah. just get unlucky and you'll go on a losing mm. streak because your team sucks. And <laughs> sometimes you'll get lucky and you'll get carried 10 games in a row. Yeah. You know what happens. It does happen. And so having that outside perspective can be uh pretty beneficial to like keeping your head on straight when you mm -hmm. are in these streaks um or feeling like you're not going anywhere 
Yeah, for sure. Like confirming ideas that, you know, I thought were right. And also like coaches telling me like things that I thought were right were either wrong or not really important. That helped a lot. It helped me, like I'd say coaching has helped me a lot, but just like my, my view of Dota as a game, like my view of like just how the game is played and what's important and what's not has changed drastically over the past like year and a half, you know, like, uh, I understand like so much more about like power spikes, timings, like how to abuse the enemy. Like there's so much stuff that I've learned from coaching. And also what coaching helps is like, it's not like when, when you get coached, like you suddenly just know all this stuff, but when you get some like vital information from coaching, it helps you learn more on your own. You know what you mean? What I mean? Cause uh, it opens you up to think about things that you didn't think about before. Yeah, definitely. Um, and actually, it looks like uh, Trepalansi meant that how does you coaching other people? Because it sounds like you, you are now coaching yeah. other players um, to help them gain how MR as well. How does me coaching other people help? Um, yeah. Well, off the top of my head, the first thing is I have to help people learn a lot of heroes, even if I'm not necessarily comfortable on those heroes. So I end up either doing some research on the hero or just you know, having to think about, like, how the hero's played. Because even if I don't play it, like, I'm pretty sure, like, I have a at least basic understanding for all the heroes in Dota, like, you know, their timings and all that stuff and, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses. So it kind of just, like, let's say I haven't played against this hero in a while. If I'm coaching someone on that hero, like, it'll sort of, like, refresh my memory of, like, things about that hero, right? Like, mechanics, when they're strong, when they're weak, what they're good at doing, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, when I'm coaching someone, if I'm helping them with something they're like, not necessarily good at, it kind of makes me like even better at that thing, you know, because I have to like, it sort of reaffirms like what I already know and kind of just reminds me, you know, okay, they made this mistake. I should also not make it ever. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I think that teaching something that you're already pretty good at is one of the best ways to like really cement your expertise in an area because you have to then take what you might know kind of at an instinctual level or subconscious level and really digest it fully to be able to then communicate it to somebody. Yeah. And so, you know, you hear that by the way? What? Oh, no, never mind. Good. No noise gate is working correctly. Um nice. <laughs> But, like, if I were to say, you know, I, you, you have to pull every, every lane, right? Mm -hmm. But then if we look at a replay with somebody and they're not pulling, then I might not really understand, like, why. It's actually kind of a, a bad example. But I, I just know that, that from coaching, I've definitely discovered mechanics that I don't know or had mm -hmm. to, like, look at, at stuff that I kind of just would brush over normally. You know, from coaching people, from looking at replays, I know like what the actual timer is for a pull yeah. or a stack or something like that. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like there's just there's so much information to digest in a game of Dota that you can always learn something, even if you are teaching somebody who's much lower rated than you, because you have yeah. to like look at the game with this more kind of um, objective and global perspective that helps you uh, maybe digest the information a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. I think the 
you know, reaffirmation thing is really big because, you know, even if you know something, when you're telling it to someone and having to explain it, uh, kind of like it's just going to be more cemented, right, in your head. So I think that's big. And also when I coach people, I usually like, I don't kind of give my coaching as like straight up, like this is correct and only this is correct. I kind of like, I'm open to discussion. And if, you know, my student thinks like, uh, oh, I kind of disagree with this. You know, we'll have a discussion why. And then that'll either, you know, open me up to think about new things or sort of I can explain them why I think I'm correct. And then they'll agree. And then that'll like also reaffirm my initial idea, right? Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, let's do a quick speed round from chat. So if you guys want to throw some questions and give you like five to ten word answers on whatever you might want to ask uh, myself or Turtle, and then we'll end the episode. Hope you guys have been enjoying this one so far and gotten some good information about how to climb MMR in a rapid, rapid way. Um, so Chinmaya Bahira says, "Hey, I've always struggled choosing a role. Do you think I? Do you think everyone should practice one particular role?" Um, I don't think uh people are like made for roles. I think you should just try everything out and see how it feels and do the one that feels the best. Yep. And then I do think that you should dive deeply into once you figure out what you enjoy. Yeah. It's important to actually getting better at Dota. Um, do you have a favorite flavor of pie? Do you like pie? Do you, do you eat dessert? Yeah. I don't eat pie, no. <laughs> uh, cherry pie, pecan pie. Those are probably my top two. Um, how to climb MMR with a 10 versatility score? Uh, a lot of matches. How about drop that shit from 10 to 1? <laughs> there you go. Uh, should you not spam support role to rank up? I've gained 1,000 MMR in the last month playing support only, so take that for what it is. If you enjoy it, do it, man. That's, that's all I got. <laughs> hey, I've been playing Chen a lot lately, and I don't really understand when I should pull because I actually need the camp for creeps. Uh, that's actually a pretty good point. I still think, I think you should uh, go ahead. I, I think that you still prioritize controlling the lane equilibrium first and foremost, and you have to go maybe deeper into the jungle to creep. You do that. I know that a lot of Chens will just take like the enemy range creep to harass with situations where they need the camp to pull. So I think that you still focus on controlling the wave. I think there's also some situations where you could just farm the rest of the camp. Yeah. Yeah. Pull, farm the camp so it respawns. Gens do that all the time anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, I fell from Legend 3 to Archon 4. Does it mean I'm actually as good as Legend 3, or I fell because I'm bad? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Um... <laughs> all right, so here's here's the answer. We, we've kind of talked about this on the channel several times. MMR is not just like one rank. Your, your MMR is the average of all the MMRs at which you could perform in a game of Dota. So your potential might be Legend 3. And maybe for a month you were playing up to that potential. But maybe your low moments are like Crusader. I don't know. Maybe you play as bad as a Crusader some games or on heroes that you don't play very well. But then you can play up to a Legend if you're playing heroes that you do play well and you're in, like, in the perfect mind state. And so those have now averaged out to be Archon 4. And so basically, 
your answer is yes, you are as good as the Legend 3 because you got there, but currently you're not playing as well as the Legend 3. The, the, the best summary I can give you of what's going on. Yeah, I think that's really good. Yeah. Um, okay. The last question is going to be What should I do as a safe lane core when my support doesn't pull at all so I can't farm? Softball question. <laughs> um, pull to yourself? Just pull the fucking lane, bro. You can do it too. It's okay to leave the lane occasionally yeah. to pull the wave back so you can hit creeps. Uh, do your supporting for yourself if your support will not do it. And that is how you gain MMR in pubs. Um, all right. That is going to be the end of Alchemy Answers episode 80. Uh, thank you so much, Turtle, for joining us on this one. Thank you, you guys, for having me. Yeah, if you guys enjoyed this one, be sure to head over and follow Turtle on Twitter. I'm putting the link in chat. He only has eight followers, so if you have a Twitter <laughs> account, please boost this guy uh, because he's hopefully boosted your MMR from listening to his advice on how he went from 1.5k to almost immortal in just a couple of years. Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters for giving us the awesome questions week in and week out you guys in our next episode uh let me know who you'd like to have me bring on the show and uh we'll see you next time